So we're in a new series looking at Acts, which is a book in the New Testament. And we believe that through this series, God wants to work powerfully in and amongst us as a church, as individuals, but also as a family, as a community of God's people. And Acts is a second book written by a guy called Luke. And Luke was respected as a doctor, someone who was really thorough in his research, someone really thorough in his writing. This is what's called the second book of Luke. And to give you a quick summary of the book of Luke, and this is absolutely in a nutshell. In Luke, we see Jesus born. We see him growing up as a child. We see him being baptized, being commissioned. And then we see really three years of just loads of ministry, loads of healing, loads of teaching, loads of significant things happening through him being empowered by the Holy Spirit. Then as you'll know, he dies, he goes to the cross, and then he rises again. And he comes back to his disciples and has one last message for them. And then he ascends and goes to be with the Father. And here at this point, the disciples are like, wow, we've just seen this guy. He's incredible. He's a world changer. What a man. We want to follow him. But how do we do it? He's gone. He's not with us anymore. And the book of Acts starts with this sense of bewilderment. These disciples, 11, then become 12, saying, what do we do now our master's gone? What do we do now the one we trust in and follow has left How do we live without our master and saviour? And then we see throughout Acts, we see them being baptised and anointed in the Holy Spirit. They get empowered by the Holy Spirit. And we see Acts, an incredible story of the early church. It explodes. It's significant. It's powerful. What happens in the book of Acts is phenomenal. The church grows exponentially. Healings happen. People come to know Jesus. And from those 12 people, now we have a church of approximately 2 billion across the world. A phenomenal story. It's really exciting. It's really crazy. And what we want to do in the next few weeks is look at these places and spaces that God occupies and work out what we can learn from it and also learn how we can follow in the footsteps of the disciples and see the Holy Spirit move in the same way it moved then, today. We believe that God wants to move amongst us and move in our workplaces, in our universities, in our families. He wants to move amongst us. And the disciples are called mephitas, which is a Greek word, and that means learners. And the reason we're focusing a bit on that in the next few weeks is because we too are called to be learners. Those who follow the footsteps of Jesus, those who follow the journey of discipleship, but hungry to learn more about him, hungry to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. But what's really important we understand from the outset of this series is what happened in this book, in the book of Acts, these incredible miracles, these incredible stories, it's not something that happened 2,000 years ago and is dead and buried. It's something which is true and relevant and real today. It's something that we can be part of that story. We are part of the journey. That Holy Spirit is available for us tonight to encounter and to move amongst us. So when we're in our workplaces tomorrow morning, he can come with us. He can speak powerfully through us. He can do incredible things through us and through us as a church family. God is here tonight and he wants to move amongst us. He wants us to be part of this incredible adventure. This story of healings and miracles and teaching and life changes. This incredible journey and adventure we are called to be part of. Wow. You want some? I do. This is amazing. So what are we going to do? How are we going to start tonight? We're going to think from the outset, what is it that limits us? If you're anything like me, we limit God. We restrict him. Well, God, you can work in this part of my life. Well, God, you can work in this particular area. But I don't think I trust you the rest of my life. I limit you. 
Or perhaps we put him in structures, we constrain him, we put him in religious structures. And we just cage for lying, we cage all he's able to do. But the God who spoke back then, the God who does incredible miracles in Acts, is here tonight, he's alive today and wants to speak and work powerfully amongst us. And what's more is that God wants to actually use you and I. Something phenomenal, isn't it? Where the God who's all-powerful, who's the maker of heaven and earth, would choose to use us. Would choose to participate us in this story and journey. Here we are, the journey of Acts, the story of the church. So we're going to kick off by turning to Acts 10. If you haven't got a Bible then, it'll be on the screen behind me. Acts 10, 1 to 22. So in Acts 10, 1 to 22. Come my eyesight's going. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion to what was known as the Italian regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day, about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. The angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come as a memorial offering before God. My eyesight is really going. <laughs> this is not cool. <laughs> I'm only 33. Come on, guys. Help me, God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is also called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel spoke to him and got gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them into Joppa. About noon the following day, as they were on the journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven open and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill it and eat it. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened there three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, we have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is, responded by all the Jewish, who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told them to ask you to come to his house so he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. That was way harder than it should have been. My eyesight is really going. Just to say, we're in a, the, the chapter 10. I have to say I've had to read it a few times, and it is quite a complicated passage. But what really is happening is here we see Cornelius, a well-respected, good Roman soldier, a man of God, is given a vision that he needs to send people to Peter. So he sends these three people to Peter. And alongside that, Peter has a separate vision, and a vision where he sees these foods which were not allowed for Jews to eat, now being acceptable and okay for the 
the, Gentile, the, the Jews to eat. And that's far more significant than just for food. It's saying actually because of these different food types which were once exclusive to Gentiles, now the gospel is for all. Now this kingdom is for everyone. We'll unpack that a bit later, but it's way more than just for food. And then Peter goes to Cornelius' house on the back of that, and we see from this that there's no barriers for the gospel. The gospel, the kingdom of God, is now available to everyone. And we see powerfully the Holy Spirit come upon them. And later in this passage, the Holy Spirit comes upon them. As Cornelius and Peter respond to this vision, as they realize that the gospel, the kingdom is for everyone, as they humbly lay themselves before God, the Holy Spirit falls upon them. And I want to ask us a few questions tonight as we think about what sort of posture we have in order for God to use us. What does it look like for me to be that person in Acts who does incredible things? What does it look like for me to have that faith and vision that Cornelius and Peter had? And I want to ask you, firstly, are you putting God in a box? And I've got an illustration. It might be a little cheesy, but we'll see. If you imagine I rang up now a guy from Deliveroo and said, I want a pepperoni meat feast pizza, if you could bring it to me. And he pedals his little way up on the bike, up the hill, gets here quite sweaty, out of breath, and the pizza is on his hand, but no box. It's just dripping with fat. It's just in his sweat. Hands up if you'd eat that. You, all right, some desperate people at the back. You want it in a box, right? You want your pizza delivered in the box. The box is nothing special, but it's significant because it gives value to the product. The box is not significant, but it gives value to the product. The, the, the pizza has value because it's in a box. As Jesus' followers, as cheesy as it is, and notice the deliberate pun on pizzas, cheesy illustration. Tough crowd. That was good. <laughs> we need to be a box that God can use, that can fill, because he is the Holy Spirit. He's the one who wants to impart his power and work through us. But we need to be boxes. We need to be vessels that he can use. We need to be available as God's people to be filled with his Holy Spirit. For some reason, he chooses to work alongside us. He chooses to work with us. God's all-powerful. He can do what he wants, but he wants to work in us. He wants to work through us. And are we going to be carriers of God's word? Are we going to be people who carry his spirit and impart his spirit everywhere we go? Are we going to be empty and available for the Holy Spirit to come and fill us? Are we going to be in a place of cleanliness and holiness before God where we say, actually, I want you to come into me. I want you to fill me up. I want you to anoint me and work powerfully through me. We are the box. We are the vessel. He wants to use us. We're good, created in his image. We're created to be all-powerful, but it's because the Holy Spirit works within us. That's our hope, that's our prayer tonight, that the Holy Spirit would come amongst us and set us on fire, would ignite us with his power. John Wesley famously said, my hope is that God would set me on fire and others would watch me burn. That God would set him on fire, that others would watch him burn. When we go to difficult places, when we go and spread good news, when we go and tell our friends at work about Jesus, when we go and see miracles on the streets, it's because God's power is working in and through us. Are we that vessel that God can use? Are we willing and available and open to God empowering us and being in us? 
And I want to ask us what sort of posture we need in order to have that faith, to have that anointing. And we see in Cornelius a man who is very open to God. A man who God uses powerfully, who, gives, who God gives an incredible vision to. But it's because he's a vessel, he's available for God to use. Now you need to realize that Caesarea, where the Roman garrison town was, where Cornelius was, was known throughout the world as this powerhouse of Roman authority. Now imagine a day without technology and without internet. People would have heard from way afar that this place had Roman soldiers who were dangerous, they were bullies at times, they were authoritative, they were powerful, they had this aura about them. They were almost revered as demigods. They were really well respected. And you finally meet Cornelius. The first Roman soldier we meet in Acts is Cornelius. But Cornelius was rare because most of the Roman soldiers were referred to as wolves because they would literally pillage and rip up cities. They were dangerous. They were powerful. They were bullies. They were cruel at times. They had a really strict rule and strict regulation. People feared them and revered them. But Cornelius was different. We read in verse 2 and 3 that he was a devout Christian, that he prayed. We read that he gave alms to the poor. He was generous in his life. And rather than worshipping all the other different gods that the Romans worshipped, he just worshipped the one true God. How radical, how different to the culture he was in to solely focus on the one true God, to not be this bully who pushed people aside but actually gave to the poor, looked after those in need. His posture was one of devotion, was one of commitment. We also see a sense of humility amongst him. He was keen to learn, keen to grow, keen to understand what it was to be a follower of God. He responded to his vision and turned a new direction. There's a humility there, a sense that he wanted to grow, wanted to learn more. That's the posture he had, one of openness to God, one of devotion, one of prayer, one of giving to the poor. He was a man who was devout to God. And that's why God gave him vision, that's why God used him powerfully. This week I had a lad called Gregor on work experience with me. And... I actually had another young person come up to him last week and say, are you on work experience with Andy? And he said, yeah. And and the the girl said, I'd rather die, which was encouraging for me and for Gregor. But he was on work experience. And amidst the making coffee and photocopying and, you know, all the other things that work experience people do, I asked him to look at this passage and just to ask him what he thought about this passage. And he said to me, he said this, he said, does God reward those who seek him earnestly with a vision? Does he reward those who are out to serve him, out to live for him, with a vision, with that sense of God's call on our lives? I think he does. I think Cornelius has his vision. I think Cornelius has this passion and power and anointing of the Holy Spirit because he's devout, because he placed himself before God. What is our stance as a vessel for God to use? Are we open and honest and humble before God are we saying God I'm ready to be used I'm yours fill me up it's not about my significance at work it's not about all the worldly accolades it's about you working through me this Roman soldier had to take a step back from the way the world viewed him to have his value in God to have allow the Holy Spirit to fill him I want to talk about my granddad my granddad was an amazing man. He was with the Salvation Army for about 90 years. He passed away last year, but a real inspiration to me. And every Christmas day, he would 
have homeless people in the local Salvation Army and he would give them dinner and serve them and you'd walk around London with him and you'd go through Lewisham, quite a, a part, quite a rough part of London and all the homeless people and drunks were like, hey Bert, how are you doing? And he would chat to them, really inspirational guy, really devoted to God and God used him powerfully because he humbly laid his life before God. He gave everything he could for the sake of the kingdom. A man who was spirit-filled, a man that was anointed by God. But I want to tell you another story about my granddad, which is perhaps a less significant one, and perhaps a more amusing one. My granddad, towards the end of his life, he decided to write a book about the journey and the story he'd been on. And despite me and my brothers and cousins trying to tell him on several occasions, he refused to learn how to save documents. So what he would do is he'd write a chapter in his book of like 15 pages, print it out, close down my computer without saving it, make three or four edits, then next time put it next to him and type it out again. He did his whole book like that. I mean, that is completely nuts, isn't it? That is completely bonkers. If you haven't learned on Word documents you can save, this little icon towards top left, really valuable. But just did not learn that he could save. And we tried to tell him time and time again, my granddad was an incredible guy. But was he open to change in this situation? Of course, that's a trivial example. But what we see with both Cornelius and Peter who responds to this is that the Holy Spirit gives them a new trajectory. The Holy Spirit changes the way they're going. We need to be open to God moving in us and changing us in a new direction. Peter goes on to say in this passage that all foods are acceptable. And understand it's not about the food at all. It doesn't really matter what we eat. What it's saying is the Jews would have despised the Gentiles and mocked them and bullied them for what they ate. The Gentiles were called dogs. They were despised, understood as a second-rate, second-rate people. And by this act, Peter was seeing this vision from God but said, actually, no, no, everyone can have access to my table. Everyone can have access to my hospitality. The gospel turns a new trajectory at this point. It's not just for the Jews, God's chosen people. It's for everyone. And Peter learns at this point, and the church learns at this point, that everyone can have access to the kingdom. Never think that someone's beyond God's grace or someone's beyond God's hope. Never think that the Holy Spirit can't reach and encounter someone or a certain situation. Brother Andrew talks about some amazing stories where he's out in Taliban training camps. He gives very little detail because of the sensitivity. He sees people come to know Jesus, the most horrendous and dangerous soldiers who are part of the Taliban come to know Jesus. No one is beyond God's love. No one is beyond God's spirit. But we see with Cornelius and with Peter that both of them were open to God taking them in a new direction. Are we willing tonight as we come before God as a vessel open to him for him to take us in a new direction, to give us a new trajectory, to anoint us afresh, to show us a new vision, to show us a new way of thinking. What's amazing is throughout Acts and actually throughout church today, it's very rare that God does the same thing twice. The Holy Spirit comes in new and fresh ways. He comes in unexpected ways. He speaks to Peter in a language and a context he understands and he speaks to us in ways and places that we understand. But sometimes the Holy Spirit wants us to do things which are radical, which are abnormal, which are seemingly silly or daft, but it's because he has a new plan, a new trajectory. The Holy Spirit rarely does the same thing twice. We so easily limit 
God's activity. You see, it wasn't really wrong to eat any particular food. It wasn't really about the food at all. The challenge was that religion of the Jews was limiting the mission of God's people. So easily our structures, our way of living, our practices that started off as worship have become restricting, have become, they deny us of the full worship of God. They deny us of the ability to relate to the Holy Spirit. What barriers are we putting in place in our own lives and as a church that restrict God from moving? We need to completely trust that God has his way, his power, his way of doing things. And you see, we see through this passage, and it's beyond where we read, but when Cornelius and Peter responded to the vision of God, when they followed the new trajectory that God took them on, the result we see in this particular passage is that the Holy Spirit came and moved powerfully. Really simple, open and accessible to God, saying, have me, take me, use me. And equally responding to his call, which took them in a new trajectory, a new direction. The Holy Spirit came and did amazing things, saw people turn to him, saw miracles happen. The Holy Spirit wants to come tonight. He wants to encounter us in a new way. He wants to give us fresh anointing. Corrie ten Boom was an amazing lady who was known for working with Jews who were being killed and persecuted in Nazi camps in Austria. And she spent years and years going into these camps and pulling them out. And she said to her father, she said to her father, I don't think I'm brave enough to be a martyr. I don't think I'm brave enough to do this anymore. And her dad said to her, if I put you on a train, do I give you the money three weeks in advance? She said, no, 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 no. You give it to me when I get on the train. Just so it is with the Holy Spirit. It says, when you go to situations, when you take steps of courage, when you step out of your comfort zone, the Holy Spirit gives you what you need at that point. But God wants to meet with us. He wants to anoint us in fresh ways. But he wants to give us the manner we need for today. He wants to give us the anointing we need for what's before us. Are you ready for God to take you on a new journey? Are you ready for a new anointing, a new vision, a new calling, a new sense of purpose, a new empowering of the Spirit? Adele and I moved to my wife and I on our third wedding anniversary, as some of you missed at the beginning my hilarious jokes. We've been married for three years, and we moved to Edinburgh three years ago. We had a really, really clear call really clear call to this church it was crazy I'll tell you another time but really specifically God called us to this church completely nuts and I have to say in the last three years there's been some incredible highs some amazing stories encouragement stories of success stories of fruitfulness there's also been some real lows some real challenges but what we hold to time and time again is the fact that God will give us enough for this next journey God has called us here. He will equip us. He will anoint us. He will strengthen us. And equally, it was him that completely took us in a new direction to Edinburgh. And it's him that's got his hand on our lives. The safest place is to be in the power of the Holy Spirit. The safest place is to be in his care, in his path. Yes, like Corrie ten Boom, it might take us to risky places. Talking to our friend at the coffee machine at work might be the bravest thing we ever do. But the Holy Spirit empowers us. The Holy Spirit gives us what we need. 
God speaks today. God wants to anoint us afresh. This summer, this season of rest, this season of reflection, God wants to move amongst us as individuals and as a family. Are we willing and ready to receive from him?